This week on the Trend Out Loud podcast. You just said that Haiti is a shithole country. That's a racist country. Yes, it is. Not because it's black, because it's poor, and because it's a shithole. You cannot call a country a shithole country and say we're not talking about the people. Call me a racist. You can put me on shows like this and try to make me look crazy. The reality is I've been right about everything. Now you're trying to take things out of context and mischaracterize. That was the joke when I said... (laughs) Chris, yes. this is on your Instagram. But you're taking I got it this off your Instagram. The only evidence they had on me is that I'm armed with at least nine weapons and I planned on shooting and killing the most important people in the country. That's why the city of Toronto needs me as mayor more than anything, because not only will I inform the general public who are just as uninformed as you, once they are informed, they will be empowered to make the right decision. So, please... Talk about how I'm a conspiracy theorist some more. Talk about how I'm a COVID denier. Talk about all the little buzzwords you want to try to make yourself look good from your high horse. The reality is you have no f***ing idea what you're talking about on any of this. This is a fake interview. And you brought me on here to try to make me look bad. And you're probably getting paid for this with your stupid little hat. Chris, who do you think is paying me to do this interview? The same people that pay all the fake media. If I get to ask you a question again and you don't want to answer it, I'm probably going to leave the interview because you're pretty annoying. That's fine. Is it easier to control a hundred alpha males or a hundred women? Housewives. That's a sexist comment. Welcome to the Trend Out Loud podcast. I am your host, Trend Out Loud. And I have two guests with me here today. Uh, first, one that goes by the name of Chris Sky. Second, Makesh yeah. OG Fire. All right. Uh, let me introduce uh, Chris to you. Chris is a Canadian conspiracy theorist known for his involvement in anti-mass. I'm definitely anti-lockdown. not a conspiracy theorist, so I'll stop you I, right I, there. I knew- I, I knew I knew this was going to happen. This is exactly why I started. But hold on, you he, you are an anti-masker, anti-lockdown, COVID nineteen denial during the COVID nineteen pandemic. So, Chris, I guess my first question is, how do you feel about being called a conspiracy theorist? Well, obviously, conspiracy theorist is a term that was invented by the government to trick okay. stupid people into simply not thinking about things. Because as soon as you uncover something that the government doesn't want you to know, they have programmed society to say, oh, that's just a crazy conspiracy theory. Are 15-minute cities a conspiracy theory? Is a personal carbon allowance a conspiracy theory? Is a digital ID a conspiracy theory? Or are you all just fucking idiots in denial once again? If people think these things are conspiracy theories, it means you're not smart enough to understand. It doesn't mean the people telling you are crazy or the people telling you are conspiracy theorists. It means that you need to open your eyes. It means you need to stop watching TV and it needs, you need to smarten the up. It's that simple. All right. So you've been arrested multiple times over the past two years on May 19th. Okay. May 19th, 2021, the police attempted to arrest you for allegedly telling fellow anti-masker Rob Cardone that you wanted to shoot and kill him and premier Doug Ford along with every other premier in the country. Yeah. The cops came to arrest you. You jumped in your car. You drove towards them and fled, but you later turned yourself in. Is any yeah, of this that's, true? That's highly inaccurate. The first part's okay. accurate. Rob, on March, and as the court will show, on uh, I found out that Rob Carbone was a fraud and con artist, and his record will show that. His re- criminal record has him uh, convicted of fraud multiple times, convicted of theft multiple times, and convicted of uttering death threats three times. Convicted, not just charged. These are all convictions. So he's got literally dozens of charges, not just in Canada, but in the United States, stretching back over 30 years. Uh, he presented himself as a multi-billionaire banker with all these connections, someone who was starting the Republican Party of Canada uh, and who wanted to help the freedom movement. 
he actually flew a web designer into his condo that he was living at at York, uh, Yorkville to make me believe he was legitimate. And he showed me all these banking contacts and connections and deals that he was working on. I even got taken to the Bank of Montreal head office in downtown Toronto with some special bonds that I didn't believe were real. And he brought me upstairs to the main office where they ran an authentication process on these bonds, which took like a few hours and came back with all the paperwork and stamps saying they were authenticated. So I believe this man to be genuine. And so I worked with him. I worked with the team. He even got uh, hired six people to create what they would need, the paperwork to register the Republican Party. So everything seemed legit uh, at that point until I found out that he was basically just scamming people for money, almost like a Ponzi scheme, taking money from certain people to pay other people that he was getting investments for. And he was running out of people to scam. Then I got actual evidence that he scammed a retiree at about $25,000. I had the wire transfer evidence and everything, which I showed him. And I told him, I'm not going to be publicly attached to somebody who's committing fraud. Uh, and then he basically tried to blow it off. On May 18th, the day before he called the police on me, I sent him an email, which is actually in court. And it's actually evidence in court. So I have no problem talking about it, which stated, I know you're frauding people. I know you're scamming people. I have a few of your, uh, your uh, victims with me. And tomorrow we're going to be showing up to your house with the police. And you're going to be charged criminally and civilly with fraud. So what did he do? The very next day, he called 911 and said that I threatened to kill him and all the premiers in Canada. Mm. 911 laughed at him and hung up the phone. So an hour later, he called back and lied and told 911 that he had a tape recording of me saying all this. So now that they believe that there was actual evidence, they sent two undercover cops to my house. The undercover cops staked out my house. They should have arrested me at my house, but because they wanted to do illegal shit, they wouldn't go near my house because it has 24-hour surveillance cameras, which the police officers lied and said they didn't see. Meanwhile, not only are there cameras, there's actual big red and yellow signs on both of my gates that are as large as you or me that say 24-hour video surveillance and monitors. (laughs) Obviously, the police were lying, and that's why they didn't want to grab me on camera. I'm sure you guys know all about that. So their story is they were given orders to arrest me if I leave the house. Well, I left my house because I was on my way to the gym. I got followed by two undercover cops in completely plain clothes, wearing black masks in a completely unmarked car with no police decals, no lighting, no nothing of any kind. You could be sitting right in the car and it's a normal Dodge Charger and it's an RT. So it's a fast one. Couldn't even see them driving to the gym, windows up, music on. listening to my rock, getting ready for the gym. And I make a right-hand turn from Kiel to King Road. And as I'm making that turn, I see this gray sedan coming beside me. No big deal. The only reason I noticed them is because I was like, ah, look at those two fucking idiots wearing black masks in their car driving. Who wears a mask in their car? Before I could even think, that car came in front of me, slammed on the brakes to the point where if I didn't slam on my brakes, I would have rear-ended them. So now I'm stopped in the middle of the road with an unmarked car in front of me, and two men jump out. One out of the passenger, one out of the driver. No uniforms, black masks, with guns in their hands, and they run at my car. When they get to about five feet from my car, the one that had jumped out of the driver's side started raising their gun like they are going to shoot me in the face. So I put my truck in reverse, I backed up on an angle, and put it in drive, and I slowly accelerated to make sure I was around these unidentified armed assailants. And when I was safely around them, I accelerated and escaped the situation as safely as possible. For that, I was charged with assault with deadly weapon on police officers, 
three counts of uttering death threats and dangerous operation of motor vehicle. I was immediately had my guns taken, my gun license taken, my driver's license taken, a man with no criminal record, and I was on those conditions for over two years or while they, while they postponed as long as possible. Then when I went to trial for three days of trial, Rob Carbone wouldn't even show up to court because he was so worried that he was going to get charged with perjury and obstruction of justice. So he tried to use his dying wife as an excuse to escape and evade testimony. They made him do it on Zoom. The second day when he was under cross-examination and he had already perjured himself multiple times online, he didn't even show up on Zoom. He called 911 and had the paramedics go to his house and pretend like his wife was dying on the spot so he could try to get out of testifying. The judge wasn't buying it, so he gave him the day and said, you better show up tomorrow or we're going to come get you and bring you here physically. So because he had no right. choice, the piece of shit con artist showed up on Friday, made a complete fool of himself. He was the only witness in the case against me. The only evidence, the so-called tape, he had 18 months to give them. Guess what? That tape just never materialized. And guess what he told them in court? It was on a phone that got confiscated by the police. So he had it for two and almost two years, but never gave it to them. No, he just made it up and he came up with an excuse because he would have been charged with obstruction of justice. So there's my court case. Fake as fuck. So I'm going to be getting off March 28th. I expect a full acquittal on all charges. And then guess what? Now they got no leverage on me because I'm almost 40 years old. I've been arrested 25 times the last 27 months, but I still have no criminal record, even though I was given over 60 charges. So you figure it out. You guys try to say who's persecuted, minorities are persecuted. What about me? <laughs> I'm persecuted more than anybody, and I'm not a minority. I'm considered white, if you consider Italian so, white. I have a question. I have a question about. So March 28th is going to be like what? Like why? Why did it have three days? And why it stopped? What happened? What's going to happen March 28th? Okay. So we had the three days in January. We didn't finish because Rob Carbone wasted the entire day. So then they gave me another date in February 15th, which is why I came yeah. for the worldwide rally on the 18th and how I ended up getting the, uh, the opportunity to run for mayor and announcing it. So basically the government's responsible for me running for mayor. Thank you very much. And then on February 15th, we got all the way to the closing arguments and they're like, ah, oh, we finished my closing argument and 75% of the clowns closing argument. They're like, no, no, no. We're going to come back February 28th, this time on Zoom to finish. So I had to go back to court again, February 28th. For 20 minutes, so they could do the finish off the closing argument, and then the judge decided he's going to take another month before he gives his verdict, just so they could. Okay, so the verdict, the fun. verdict is going to be March the 28th. Yes. The so now March 28th, I'm going to get my verdict. And you believe that you'll be acquitted, fully acquitted of all charges? I believe I'll be fully acquitted of all charges. The only, okay. the only caveat to that is if they want to charge me with the driving related offense, but I don't think they're going to. Okay. But they're definitely not um, going to be. Charged. They're definitely not going to be convicting me of death threats, and they're definitely not going to be convicting me of uh, of trying to run a police officer over. Uh, the worst case scenario, I'll be given some kind of traffic violation. Worst case, and I think that's like why because you're like because you're speeding or you're trying to get away from. They're going to say that the I, they're going to say that I was speeding to get away, but I wasn't. I just okay. accelerated okay. around them, and they never came after me, which is really weird because you would think if cops have an arrest warrant, they're going to jump in their car and chase you. They didn't, which means that the whole thing was illegal. Those cops weren't even supposed to be on duty. They were off-duty cops called to come and stake out my house. Why would they do that? Why would they send two cops from the major crimes unit to come and stake me out? And why would they do a takedown of a, with major crimes unit of a guy in a vehicle? Number one, the first thing they would do if this was a legitimate thing is arrest me at my home where it's nice and easy, 
no danger to the public, etc. Yeah, they if you have any arrest warrants, you home. come into someone's house. I yes. get it. They waited for me to leave my home because I had cameras at the home and they wanted to do shit illegal. Then what did they do? They waited until nobody was around, no traffic cameras, no cameras of any kind. Conveniently, they weren't wearing their body cameras. And then they lied on the stand. They said they weren't wearing their masks, which was a complete lie because I didn't even know the ethnicities of the officers. When I went to court, I had to have the crown point out who the officers were. And these were two men that were pointing guns in my face. So I think I would remember what the hell they looked like if I had seen them. So they lied about wearing the mask and they even lied about drawing their guns, which makes absolutely no sense because... Everybody knows when major crimes do a takedown, especially if crimes with considering a vehicle, they have multiple vehicles for the takedown for public safety. They had one vehicle for the takedown. So because they had one vehicle for the takedown, that's considered an ultra high risk takedown. The only evidence they had on me is that I'm armed with at least nine weapons and I planned on shooting and killing the most important people in the country. So they even admitted in court that this intensity of this takedown was an 8 to 9 out of 10 intensity. But then at the same time, they try to pretend like when they were outmanned, didn't have enough officers, didn't have enough vehicles, that they decided with a very dangerous and possibly armed suspect intent on killing people that they didn't draw their guns. So obviously the judge isn't going to buy their bullshit. So in court, did you guys find out, was there an arrest warrant issued for you or not? There was an arrest warrant issued for me for the there charges you said. And that's what I okay. thought. As soon as I, as soon as I got away from those people, I had no idea who they were. I was terrified, obviously. Okay. As soon as I got to a safe place, like five minutes down the road where I could park, I called my lawyer. I told him what happened. He contacted the police to find out what was going on. I found out I had a legit warrant for my arrest. And surprise, surprise, I went and turned myself in the same day. So does that sound like somebody who was trying to get away from the police if I went and turned myself in just a few hours later? Or does that sound like somebody that didn't know they were police, thought someone was trying to kill or kidnap me since I get death threats every other day, and I left the situation? Okay. Well, I have one more question for you about mayor because you talked about how passionate you are. But on, like you said, May the 10th, you announced that you're running for mayor and you said no, I'll not do May it the for 10th. I'm sorry, February, February the 10th. 18th. My bad, my bad. Okay, February 18th. I saw it on your Instagram. So February, early February, you announced that you're running for mayor and you said, I'll do it for the hell of it just to spite everybody. No, that was before February 18th. That was actually February 12th. And that was totally different. Now you're trying to take things out of context and mischaracterize. That was the joke when I said, (laughs) Chris, this is on your Instagram. But you're taking it off your Instagram. Yes. And I'll explain. First of all, you said you gave completely wrong dates and the chronological order of this makes a big difference because how did I even find out anything about mayor? I was in Alberta and my wife came up to me and was like, Oh my God, I heard John Tory is going to be resigning. Before I could even go and check what was going on, people were calling my phone like crazy saying, oh, are you running for mayor? Are you running for mayor? And I go, what the hell are you talking about? And they said, well, John Tory had to resign. I'm like, yeah, I know. So why would I be running for mayor? And I was told at that time that I was trending on Google and Twitter as Chris Sky for mayor. So when I checked, okay. I was. So then I made that video that you're talking about. And it was a half okay. serious video because I wasn't really okay. considering running for mayor at that point. It was just a reactionary I video I created okay. based on the circumstances okay. of people calling me saying that I was trending as mayor of Toronto. So like I said, it was Fine. taken out of context. After that, Fine. after I made that video, kind of joking, I started getting overwhelming uh, people calling me and telling me that they wanted me to run all over the place, from all over Canada, from all over different parts of the world, etc. I got a call from a father 
because I get my number is public, by the way. I'm the only mayoral candidate that will have their number public. 416-400-9994. Because a public servant should be always accessible to the public, transparent to the public, etc. Well, <laughs> sorry. So as I, I got a call from a father, he was irate. He was crying. And he asked me if I would talk with his daughter. I said, who's your daughter? Why would you like me to talk to her? She was a 14-year-old girl, perfectly healthy little angel until COVID happened. And it wasn't COVID that got her sick. It was the government's response to COVID, the lockdown. She developed a mental health crisis like many other people. She developed an eating disorder. Her father knew that I'm very well versed in nutrition and, uh, and uh, exercise. And he also knew that his daughter was a fan of mine. And he also knew that I'm willing to help anybody. So he put his daughter on the phone with me and I talked to her for a few minutes. And then I talked to her parents after that. And I found out that on February 16th, it was going to be her birthday, her 15th birthday. So I made arrangements with her mom and dad that my wife and I were going to drop off a birthday gift for her since we were going to be arriving in Toronto February 13th for court on the 15th and the rally on the 18th. Long story short, we got to Toronto. I did my court. I called them the next day. I said, hey, we're ready to come by. Where are you guys? And the father was in tears again and said, I don't know if you guys still want to come by, but if you do, we're in the hospital. His daughter had to get admitted to the hospital. She was only 59 pounds. She couldn't even eat solid foods. She was confined to a bed. So we drove the hour and a half to get to the hospital. We brought her a bunch of different gifts of all her favorite stuff. And we spent a couple hours talking to her parents. As we were getting ready to leave, I told, uh, I asked a little girl, I said, so be honest with me. What was your favorite gift that we gave you? And don't lie. And she said to me, my favorite gift was you and your wife coming here. She's like, that was better than anything I could have ever got. So a little 15-year-old girl, basically on her deathbed, still that sweet and that amazing. Before I could even respond to her, she looked at me in the eyes and said, are you really going to run for mayor? Because my daddy says you're going to run for mayor and you're going to protect people like me. And if you've looked at any of my videos from the past, I've said it multiple times on camera, that I will do anything in my power to stop these people and anything in my power, especially to protect my children. And when she put me on the spot, and she looked me in the eyes and she called me out. I gave her my word that I would run. And that's when I made up my mind that I was running. The next day, John Tory officially resigned on the 17th. And on the 18th, I announced that I was officially running for mayor. And now I'll be back. I'm probably going to be back in Toronto tomorrow. And then I'm going to be back in Toronto again at the end of the month. And when I get back at the end of the month, we're going to be staying there till the end of June. We are going to be running a very special campaign. My entire campaign team and I are going to be living in the same location. So we're going to be living and working together 24 hours a day on the ground in communities every single day, talking to the people, listening to the people, seeing how we can help each individual community in its own unique way. And we're going to have a different campaign than anyone's ever seen before. We're going to have a different administration than anyone's seen before. We're going to be the most fiscally responsible administration in the history of this city. We're going to show the greatest turnaround of standard of living in one term that anyone's ever even thought possible. And we're going to be getting a massive voter turnout. The last voter turnout, you know how pathetic it was for the city of Toronto? You know how many people no, voted? I heard it was horrible. I Less than horrible. 30% of the eligible yeah. people voted. Less than 30. That means 71% yeah. of people were like me. They didn't vote. I've never voted in my life for anybody. Why? Because it never represented me. And I wasn't going to just go vote for the so-called lesser of evils. But guess what? When I go run, those 70% of people that never voted, they're going to get off their ass and vote. And the people that don't vote 
are the biggest voting demographic in the country. There's more non-voters than there are liberals, conservatives, NDP, all combined. So if I have a, do I have a chance of winning? It's not if I have a chance of winning. The question is, who the hell do they have that can beat me? And the answer is nobody. Who's more qualified? Nobody. Who has 20 years of planning and development experience? None of those people. Who has the drive to stay up 21 hours a day and take phone calls from the public 21 hours a day? Answer, nobody. Who will fight harder to prevent these agendas that I've been so passionately and articulating to you? Answer, nobody. Who will actually be fiscally responsible with that budget of $17 billion and use it to actually help the communities rather than just continue to bloat an out-of-control government budget? Answer, nobody. Which one of those people is seeing this job as a sacrifice? None of them. For them, it's a career opportunity. It's a job promotion. It's, a, it's, a, it's an increase in pay. For me, it's a sacrifice. When I told my wife we're going to have to go to Toronto and do this election, she cried her eyes out for days. Because she knows, number one, they're going to try to destroy me in the media. They're going to try to arrest me. They're going to come after her. Number two... She doesn't want me to have those responsibilities. She doesn't want me to have the whole weight of the world on my shoulders like I already do. But unfortunately, when I see the alternative and I see the other people that are going to take over for where John Tory left off, all I see is more pain, suffering for the people of Toronto and the people of Canada in general. And I'm simply not going to stand for that. Well, Chris, that's what I wanted to ask you. I wanted to ask you, if because if you're going to run, there's a lot of serious issues that Torontonians are facing. And I wanted to know if you're taking it seriously or you're doing it for the hell of it. So no, I'm taking it 100 percent serious. And it's not if I'm going okay. to run, I am running and I will fix okay. the fundamental issues in this city. The number one issue in this city is, first of all, the standard of living and the cost of living, which has gone crazy. It hasn't gotten yeah. better. It gets worse every year. And you can ask any Torontonian, I don't care if they're 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, everyone will agree 10 years ago, the city was better. 20 years ago, the city was better than 10 years ago. 30 years ago, the city was better than 20 years ago. So what we've seen is a slow decline. It's not overnight. So we can change this. We can literally stop it in its tracks and get it on a path where it starts getting better again. And that's what I want. We need to get rid of, first of all, the status of sanctuary city. John Tory reaffirmed our status. The so-called conservative government reaffirmed the so-called sanctuary city status of Toronto. And what that means is any illegal immigrant in Canada, no matter where they are, are now welcome to come to Toronto. And not only do they get all the services of a citizen, but they get special protections under the Sanctuary City Act where police officers are not allowed to ask them their identity, their status, or check their criminal record. So you have people with criminal records as, as bad as murder, rape, multiple assaults, etc. Violent criminals who are now flocking into Toronto in the hundreds of thousands because they are protected by the law and protected by the government. And nobody will even know that they have a rapist living right beside them or a murderer living right beside them illegally, already illegally in the country, but now even more illegal because they should be in jail for violent offenses. And at last count, there was three to 400,000 of these people living in Toronto. So do you think that makes the city a safer place or a more dangerous place? 
Oh, but, but Chris, that's the whole point of a first world country, right? Is to help out the people from other, that's the same thing that's going on in the US where Trump was talking about and the Democrats, how you, there's 12 million illegal immigrants in the US. Do you think they should take all those 12 million immigrants and put them on a boat and send them away because they're illegal in- immigrants? The ones that have bad criminal records, yeah, I think they should. If they're there with their families and they're working a job and they're normal people and they're contributing to society, then they should be given a pathway to citizenship. When you bring the worst of the worst people from around the country into Toronto and then wonder why Toronto is becoming less safe, more violent, and scary place to live, it's not hard to figure out why. You're bringing in the worst people who are known lawbreakers and known to have criminal records. So you can say, oh, a first world country, that's their responsibility. Well, Toronto's the only sanctuary city in Canada. Do we, like, should we make all the cities in Canada sanctuary cities? So we should just allow any illegal immigrant from any country in the world, no matter how many people they've killed or how many women they've raped, to come to Canada because it's a sanctuary city and we're a first world country, so it's our responsibility. As mayor of Toronto, my responsibility is not to illegal immigrants trying to exploit Canada. My responsibility is to the taxpayers of Toronto who are losing hundreds of millions of dollars a year paying for these illegal immigrants, paying for jails, paying for all this stuff, and paying with their safety, not just with their finances. So as mayor of Toronto, I will prioritize actual citizens, actual immigrants, and I will not give sanctuary status to illegal people that are going to make the city less safe, less productive, and less happy. There's people that have criminal records that have gone to jail, and pro- I have a criminal record. That doesn't mean I'm a bad person. I have family members. I have friends. Doesn't that mean have you're a bad records. person. Just because you're a criminal doesn't mean that you're not afforded rights in the country, or that you shouldn't. If be If you're an illegal in the country, that's different. If you're a citizen and you're a criminal, well, yes. Well, if, Chris, you're if you're illegal, who's here illegally, well, Chris, if and you just murdered if you're someone here illegally. If you're here illegally, then you should do your proper paperwork to be here legally. I agree 100%. So now I think if we can agree that the people who are here illegally shouldn't be here, the people who are here illegally who also have uh, violent criminal records definitely should not be here. Because not only are they having violent criminal records, they have already shown that they have no respect for the laws being here illegally. And they're not really going to contribute much to the city, are they? Like immigrants, immigration is great. Immigration is fantastic. Immigration brings in skills. Immigration brings in uh, uh, different values from different countries. Immigration even brings in wealth from different countries. But illegal immigration doesn't do any of that. Illegal immigration is like a dumping ground for bad people that bring nothing to society, bring nothing to the GDP, and we pay for it. And the city of Toronto pays for it out of their tax dollars. So do you think the people of Toronto would have a higher standard of living and be better off if there weren't hundreds of thousands of illegals flocking there because they know they can under the sanctuary city status? The entire point of being mayor of Toronto is to improve the quality of life for the people living there, period. You're not going to do that by bringing in people who are not supposed to be in the country who have criminal records and bringing them in in the hundreds of thousands. Sorry, it just doesn't work like that. If you're trying to bring in uh, liberal voters... <laughs> And you're trying to, then it makes sense. And that's why they're bringing 600,000 immigrants every year. And that's another thing. Why does 75% of the immigration uh, end up in Toronto? Why is Toronto responsible for fitting the bill for virtually three quarters of all the people that come to Canada? It makes absolutely no sense. They're doing it because there's money in Toronto, so they're exploiting it. Every single year, the city of Toronto budget increases. You know why? Every single government department... Every single government department has to individually request their budget. You know what every single government department does every single year? 
Trent, you know what they do? And this is a fact. They request the maximum budget that they are allowed. And then they have to justify it by spending it. So they're literally just, oh, I could take $5 billion for this? Oh, I'll take the $5 billion. I'll spend it. I promise. And then they go and they frivolously spend it, waste hundreds of millions, if not billions of dollars. And then guess what? The next year, they get to ask for more money. So you end up in a situation where every single year, the government is growing, the government is getting more expensive, but it's outpacing the actual GDP of the city. So every year you get into a position where the government is doing less with more while they're asking the citizens to do more with less. And we've seen that now for a couple of decades straight. And Toronto used to be one of the best cities in the world, and now it's not even anywhere close. They try to pretend it is, but it's a lie. So I have a question for you about your the people, your Torontonians, because it's not just some people. You're talking about the entire population. There's been screenshots posted on Canada Anti-Hate Network. Yeah, Canada, wait, wait. Have- Canada Anti-Hate Network, which is linked to Antifa, which is a terrorist organization, and it's run and it's funded by Justin Trudeau's liberal government. So am I going to listen to what a known terrorist organization funded by our criminal government says about me? No, I'm not. And if you're going to listen to it, it means that you're not a genuine person. But Chris, but this is the point of the... Hold on. This is Chris, this is the point of me wanting to interview you is that I wanted yeah. to take the things that are said online and I wanted to yeah. give you a platform and an opportunity to either say, yes, this is true. No, this is not true. And Go like ahead. you said, everything that I got was just from Wikipedia. It was for online. I don't know you. I've and never Wikipedia, met you. And by I'm the way, things. my Wikipedia is the only Wikipedia that can't be edited by people. Why? Because it's a government intelligence operation to try to make me look a certain way. If you had a Wikipedia, well, Chris, you I should know that. Huh? We should know that. We should know that. This is the, your, you. your opportunity to tell. I understand, but I'm just saying you're getting mad at the things that I read online and saying. I'm to not you, getting mad. I'm just, that, I'm just letting okay. people know. I'm just letting people okay. know of the source before you try to read okay. the slander and the defamation of character. Okay, but, because it's no, a source going to go Antifa, yeah. which is a known terrorist organization, literally listed as a terrorist organization. And so they this are is known to be funded by our liberal government. So, okay, so according to according to that network, you have engaged in online rhetoric of Holocaust denial. Is this true or not? Are you Absolutely a Holocaust not. denier? Absolutely not. Okay. They call me a Holocaust denier because I question the fabled 6 million killed number. Why do I question okay. it? Because unlike other people, I actually went to Germany and studied right. the Holocaust. I actually okay. went to concentration camps and saw where they kept the, the soldiers, saw where they kept the Jewish people. I saw okay. the differences in the quarters. I saw everything. So I know exactly that the Holocaust was real. I know that it okay. happened. I know it was okay. horrible. But you know what I don't know? I don't know how many people really died. And you know why I don't know that? Because nobody knows that. You know how okay. I know that nobody knows that? Because when I was down there, I talked to about 12 different Holocaust scholars. These are people that dedicated their entire lives to this, uh, to this, uh, to studying the Holocaust. And I asked every single one of them the same question. You know what question I asked them? And these are Jewish, German Holocaust scholars with decades of experience studying the Holocaust. I asked all 12 of them, how many people died in the Holocaust? And you know what? All 12 of them gave me a completely different answer. And then two of them said something that rang, that, that I'll never forget. One of the answers was, we don't know. And anybody who tells you that they know is lying. And the second answer I got from somebody else was, we will never know. And guess what? 
Then if you look into that number of 6 million, by the way, the organization that came up with the number of 6 million originally came up with a different estimate. Do you know what that estimate was? No. The original estimate for number of Jewish people killed in the Holocaust by the same people that declared the 6 million number that if you try to deny or you try to question, you are a denier and worse. They came up with the number of 18 million dead. 12 million more than, that, than, than the newest estimate. And, and they tried to keep that number until it was pointed out that there weren't even that many Jewish people alive at the time. So they literally tried to claim that they killed more Jewish people that were historically alive at the time. And nobody really questioned it until somebody pointed it out. Then they simply came back and revised their number and said, you know what? We were wrong. 18 million was wrong. It's actually 6 million. And now anybody that questions that newest estimate, and it is an estimate, which is a guess, and a guess should always be able to be questioned, is now called a Holocaust denier or worse. So am I a denier? Absolutely not. I am somebody who cares about truth, facts, logic, reason. And I actually went to Germany and spent weeks there to study this topic. Okay. They also accuse you of, of being uh, of anti-Semitism, anti-black racism, Islamophobia, homophobia, and transphobia. Transphobia. Oh, yes. Is any of this true? Of course, it's all true. Let me get them. Wait, they missed a few. I'm a far right. I'm a racist. I'm a white supremacist. I'm a Nazi. I'm a transphobe. I'm a bigot. I'm anti-black. I'm Islamophobic. All of it. Of course, my wife, who happens to be Asian, means absolutely nothing. She's also bisexual, but that also means nothing. You just We just talked about my really bad charges where I got charged with assault with deadly weapon on police officers, etc. The guy who bailed me out of jail is my best friend who's a Muslim imam, but I'm an Islamophobe. Yet the Muslim imam is my surety who bailed me out of jail for very serious charges. But I'm an Islamophobe. I'm also anti-black. I'm also anti-black when my sister is married to a black man and my cousins are all half Italian and half black. So I have biracial family members. I'm in an interracial relationship. I'm on bail as a, from a surety of a Muslim imam. My wife is bisexual. Uh, so let's see. What have I missed? Oh, yes. And so my, and my best and my best friend, the house I'm living in right now, my best friend who's Jewish is the one that got me the mortgage. So, <laughs> hey, Chris, don't be that guy that's like, I'm not racist. I have black friends. This doesn't say that just because you have friends that, that I'm, they're saying, have you ever had made any anti-black comments? Have you made any Islamophobia comments? Have you ever engaged in any of these acts? People are going to say that I went online and I said, I compared IQs of country and civilizations. And I compared who are the most advanced people on civilization for the last thousands of years versus who are the least advanced civilization. And if you look at the numbers of IQ and people will say, oh, it's a white thing, but it's not because it applies to everybody. The highest IQs in the world and the most advanced civilization in the world or Asian society. Does that make me an Asian supremacist? Because I can look at the facts and see that Taiwan and Singapore have the highest average IQ out of every country in the world. And then I can look at Taiwan and Singapore and notice that they have the most advanced infrastructure, the most advanced cities, and the highest quality of life and the highest standard of living. No, that just makes me looking at the facts. And then if you look at the facts and see which countries have the lowest IQs and which countries are the least developed, it happens to be Africa. So does that mean that I'm anti-black or I'm racist towards black? Or does that mean that I'm simply pointing out that different cultures have different strengths and weaknesses? 
Do you see, do you see uh, Chinese and Singapore people going into the Olympics and out sprinting black people and beating them at basketball? No, you don't. Is it going to be racist to say that? No, it's not. It's called, it's called reality. So is it racist to say that Asian society has a higher IQ on average than African society and as such is a more advanced society? No, it's not. And Chris, on my podcast it, earlier today, you just said that Haiti is a shithole country. That's a racist country. Yes, it comment. is. Not because it's black, because it's poor, and because it's a shithole. Haiti is the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. It has one of the worst healthcare systems in the world. It is super crowded, and it has one of the lowest GDPs and the lowest standard of living. So, yes, I'd call it a shithole. South Africa, South Africa has a very cannot, high GDP. You cannot call a country a shithole country and say we're not talking about the people. And of course, the Haiti people are black people. So do you understand why some people might tell you that you are that is a racist comment there's a lot of shithole countries and they don't happen to have black people in them there's a lot of shithole countries but you didn't say i used i used haiti as an example because i used haiti as an example because it's one of the only countries i know that didn't mass vaccinate their population let's not get back into covid please so your wife is bisexual but do you have a problem with uh transgender people Absolutely not. Jeffree Star is a fucking G. You know why okay. I like him? Because he tells the truth. You know what he said live? He said, what the hell is a they or a them? I heard that. I'm a man. So do I care about trannies? No. If you're a tranny and you want to be a tranny, by all means. But if you're going to come and tell me, and this doesn't mean you're a transgender, you can be a straight man or a straight woman, and you start giving me five different pronouns you want to be called, I'm going to say you're a fucking idiot because there's no such thing. You're not going right. to make me pretend that something exists when it doesn't. There's men, there's women. If you want to be a man that dresses like a woman or vice versa, go ahead. You might even look good. You might even look better. I don't care. It's none of my fucking business. The only thing I have against it is when you do something called all ages drag shows. Because I'm sorry, you're not supposed... Drag shows are sexualized. Have you ever seen a drag show? They have their boobs no. hanging out. They talk about sex. They talk about... They talk about they talk about shit like that, and it's very sexualized. Meanwhile, now because we're supposed to be so accepting of it, we're supposed to allow them to sexualize children. We're supposed to bring a twelve or ten year old to an all ages drag show and give him a fifty dollar bill to put in that six foot two, two hundred and twenty five pound guy's g string. And if we don't, we're bigots. And in fact, the Calgary uh, pastor just got charged with a hate crime because he objected to transgenders uh, grooming children. No, I'm not anti-trans. If you want to be trans, that's great. If you want to be whatever the hell you want to be, that's great. When you want to sexualize children, that's a problem. Okay. Um, you, last question. You said that you had 20 years experience in planning. I guess, uh, like I said, when I did some research, I found here um, your family owns Sky Homes, right? They build 6,000 homes over the past 40 years. Is this correct? This is correct. It's not, and, right. and that's why my name is Chris Sky. It's not some name I made up for COVID. I've been involved in the that. family business since I was 13 years old, and people have been calling me Chris Sky since I was about 18 years old. And since I've been 19 years old, I've been dealing directly with the government in planning and development. So not only yeah. do I know how government works, I had to work within the private sector. That means I had budgetary and time constraints. Meanwhile, I had to work. You're the with vice president of the company, right? You're the vice yes. president of the company. I just, on your parents' website, it says this We take great pride in the fact that we are a family owned business with a legacy and a reputation being carried on by your son or daughter. How do your parents feel about your views, your stands on COVID, you running for mayor? How does the family feel? 
Well, my mom is a mask wearer and she went along with really every single, yeah, she went along with every single thing and called me all the same names as you people were calling me until I warned her about something called a vaccine passport. And yeah. she said, what's that? And I said, well, they're going to come out with this idea that unless you're vaccinated, you're not going to be able to travel, go to work, et cetera. And she actually wanted to have me committed because she thought I was paranoid and psychotic. So yeah. when I told her about that and I told her they're going to try to mandatorily vaccinate you, she thought I was crazy. So even though my mother is one of those programmed people that will believe everything the government says, like a good little citizen and pretty much do everything they told her, when it came down to the mandatory vaccine, that's where she cut the line and she wasn't going to do it. And when it came out that the vaccine passport was exactly what I said it was, she didn't think I was so crazy anymore. My father was more worried about the fact that they were going to come after our business, which was what I was worried about, which is why I didn't want to speak out in the first place, uh, because I didn't want to get arrested. I didn't want them going after my business. I didn't want them calling me things in the media or going after my family. But my wife was the one that told me to speak out, and that's why I'm speaking out. So my family, uh, do I care if they support me? Not really. Do they support me? Some of them do in some ways. Some of them don't. Uh, does it matter to me? No, because I know what I'm doing is right. And okay. is it always hard, easy to do the right thing? No, it's actually generally hard to do the right thing, which is how we got in this mess in the first place. Because if the average man stood up, had some balls, and said, I'm going to do the right thing, they would have never put a mask on. They would have never injected themselves or their children. They would have never closed their business. Unfortunately, through years and years, I'd say decades of programming, the average man has become weaker, 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 and weaker. If we look at my generation, I'm, I'm going to be 40 this year. There's a lot of beta males, but even the beta males tried to be men. They tried to compete. They would fight, fight for that promotion, fight for what they wanted. You get to Mukesh's age, where they're 25, they're all pussies. All of them. They're, they dance like girls, dress like girls. Their girlfriends have thicker arms and legs than they do. But you don't and have a problem if they dress like girls, right? Well, if they're if they're guys that want to be guys and dress like girls, that's different. If they're guys that want to be trannies and dress like girls, it's cool. But if you're a guy calling yourself straight and you put on a pink romper because you saw you saw someone wearing it, sorry, I'm gonna make fun of you. Because that's yeah. ridiculous. And you look it's ridiculous. A fashion, it's a fashion choice, but go ahead. Exactly. So if you want to wear that, that's all me. But if I want to make fun of you, make fun of me. People make fun of me because I wear enough. tank tops all the time. So, okay. Fair enough. The point is, when they're 25 now, 25 to 30-year-olds are all betas. They're all simps. They all take second fiddle to the woman. The woman is the one in the relationship with the power. And they're all... Now they're like vegans, soy boys. They're all worried Didn't about... did you just say your wife told you to speak out? You listen to your wife? Does that make you a simp? No, I listen to my wife when it matters and I have my, and I make my own decisions as a man too, of course. But okay. in this day and age, the men are, his age are doormats and will listen not just to the woman who tells them what to do to anyone, including the government, anyone that they tell them to do anything. And now we get to the point where we have the 15 year olds that are in schools and not only are they been feminized, these poor gentlemen don't even know if they're a man, a woman or a cat. And we have kids identifying as animals and different species. And there's a reason for this. They want weak men because weak men will put on a mask. Weak men will take the jab. Weak men will close their business. Weak men will tell their families to do the same thing. Weak men will not stand up and say no. And that's why they've been programming men to become beta and simps for decades because they want men that they can tell what to do and won't fight back. It's not a secret. Is it easier to control a hundred alpha males 
or a hundred women? Let's be honest. If you're the government, is it easier to control a hundred alpha males armed, angry, football playing, bodybuilding, etc., or a hundred women, housewives? What's easier for the government that's, to control, especially, especially if they have troops with guns? What's easier for the government? That's a sexist comment, first of all. Is it a sexist <laughs> comment or is it a reality it's a, comment? No, What's but it's a sexist comment. Because it's, it's not sexist, a thousand right? years it's ago. Because it's sexist because men and women are equal, right? So if you get 100 men and 100 women to fight hand-to-hand combat in the death, who's going to win? But Chris, it's not a thousand years women. ago. It's not a thousand years ago. You can't control 100 women just like you can't control 100 men. It's, we're not on the battlefield like it's are you kidding me? You just, they literally just controlled the entire world with mandates. But you're telling me they can't control 100 people. They control billions of people. Men, I'm saying not physically. Children. I'm not saying physically. So yes, they did physically, physically control you. you. They didn't even have to physically control you because you're such a pussy. <laughs> they just had to threaten you psychologically. All they had so to do is wear a mask or you're going to get fined. And surprise, surprise, you were controlled. So don't tell me they can't control people. They controlled you by putting something on I TV. I just said they can't control you physically. physically. Yes, they can. Okay. If, if I get you to wear a mask, I just controlled you physically. I just <laughs> no, you made didn't. you phys- yeah, physically would be putting a mask on my face. That no, was physical. If I can get you to do it to yourself, that's even better, <laughs> smart guy. Yeah, Chris, come on, dog. No, are you, you out of your mind? Say- are you, you out there? Say they, okay, wait a second. Say they mentally wait a controlled you, Chris. If you want to say they mentally controlled you, fine. They didn't physically control you. Oh, really? They didn't physically assault people that didn't want to wear a mask. They didn't physically give you fines or try to arrest you if you didn't wear a mask or didn't take a jab. They didn't Chris, physically not, remove you from your job. COVID nineteen. Right? Chris, what do you want your legacy to be? Excuse me. Excuse me. So you're telling me right now that if I tell you that I'm going to shoot you. That I did it to you. But if I tell you to shoot yourself and you shoot yourself, but I, I didn't control you? If I tell you to shoot yourself and you kill yourself, I didn't control you. Chris, what makes you Excuse so Excuse me, answer the question. Sorry, if let I me ask you. If I ask you to shoot yourself and you shoot yourself, did I just control you? Physically. You did mentally, I just control your physical No, action? you did not physically control me. You mentally, you mind f- me. That is I mind mental- you into physically, con- into physically <laughs> doing something. Yo, so you can... You Chris, can be, come on, Chris. Excuse Chris, me, Chris. Excuse Chris, me. Can come you on. not be you psychologically words like that, dog? Excuse you can't me. Miss words like that. How am I missing words? I'm telling you that you are physically, you are psychologically influenced in your yes. physical behavior. So they controlled you physically. They controlled what you did physically, psychologically. Okay. You cannot deny that. <laughs> you should have been a rapper. Like you're like twisting words around to make. No, it I'm make not sense. twisting anything. You're just in denial of reality. Okay, okay. Once hold on. again, it's okay, fine. If I can make you do something mentally, if I can yes, phys- yes. mentally it's called make mind you do control. physically, I have just controlled you physically. Whether I pushed you off the ledge or I told you to jump off the ledge and you jumped off the ledge, I just controlled you physically. Okay, okay, Chris. If that's your definition of physical, then that's fine. But it's not okay. the fact. So I didn't, I didn't affect your life. If I tell you to jump off a bridge, yes, you, you jump off my a bridge life. and you die. I yes. didn't affect your life physically. Yes, you you affected my life physically, but you didn't you. physically throw me off the bridge. And that's the point. I didn't have to. The oh site. It's. I'm so much stronger than that. They're so much stronger than that. They didn't Chris, have to just physically. All, Chris, that just means well, why did you keep interrupting me? It makes perfect sense. Okay. Psychological manipulation is more powerful than physical manipulation. The government agreed. Agreed. Uh, we can agree on that. And that's what they did to you. 
They controlled your actions the last okay. three years without even having to touch you. That's how much power they had over you. They controlled where you went. They controlled who you saw. They controlled what you put on your face. They controlled what you put in your body without laying a finger on you. And you're trying to tell me that they didn't have physical control over you? They prevented people from visiting their grandmothers, prevented people from visiting their dying loved ones, but they didn't have physical control over you. That was the dumbest thing I've ever heard anybody say in my entire life. The largest beta male denial ever. Oh, they didn't have control over me. I put that mask on because I wanted to. I took that jab because I wanted to. I closed my business because I wanted to. No, you were a little bitch that did what you were told. You got physically manipulated. They emotionally manipulated you to control you physically and mentally. Okay. Chris, and what, do you want your what do you want your legacy to be? My legacy is already set in stone, brother. I'm what fighting. The fuck. I'm fighting for the people. I'm fighting against the evil, and that is my legacy. Because guess what? Right. All evil needs is for good men to do nothing, and I'm a good man, so I'm not going to sit here and do nothing. People like you pretend to be good men, but you're not doing anything. <laughs> you're not. You're not we got, speaking out. We were you're getting somewhere. Now I'm a piece of shit again. We were getting somewhere. Bro, you got to actively engage. If you're one of those people, not just you, if you're one of those people watching this and you're saying, oh, I don't believe anything he says. Well, you're one of the pieces of shit. I'm sorry because I, I never told you I don't believe anything you said, huh? I think you're I, very interesting. I never said I you don't interview. believe me. Okay. I never okay, said okay. you. I said, okay. if you're one of the people watching this okay, and you don't okay. believe me and you say yeah. I'm full of it. Well, no, you're just a piece of shit because you're lying. If you're one okay. of those people that says, okay, I believe him. But what the hell am I going to do about it? Well, that's why I talk to you because I teach you what to do about it. And if you're one of those people that sees it and fully agrees with me, well, then get off your ass and do something about it. Those are the three people. There's only three types of people. Everybody knows what I'm saying is true. Everybody. So there's people okay. that will lie to themselves and deny that it's true. And those are the pieces of garbage. There's people that will admit that it's true but feel overwhelmed and don't know what to do. And I, I feel their pain because it's, I, it, it is overwhelming, but at least they're acknowledging. So they're halfway there. And then there's people that are just like me that can see this shit from a mile away. And it gets them upset that there's other people that can't see it. And there's other people that don't acknowledge it. And there's other people that even think it's good. Like when the government comes and tells you a 15-minute city is going to be great. It's convenient. It's equitable. It's inclusive. Does that really sound good to you? Or does that sound like buzzwords to get you to go along with something you don't even understand? The only way we're going to get out of this is by educating people, inspiring people, and then getting people in positions of power like me where I can actually make change. When I'm, in a, when I'm there, I won't just help the people. I will attack the government from within the government. I will expose the massive money laundering, the massive corruption, the massive embezzlement we know went on the last three years during this so-called emergency I will expose all of them. When I get in power, you will see a flurry of resignations because those resignations are going to be to avoid criminal charges. That's the kind of person you need in power. Someone that understands what's going on, someone that actually cares about the people, and someone that's got the balls and the drive to stand up for the people and fight this evil. Because that's what it is. It's evil. The government is not your friend. Get that through your head. The government doesn't like you. The government doesn't care about you. And everything they're doing is for their own power and control. Not for your health. Not for your safety. Not for your convenience. Not for your children's future. 
It's for them to remake the world in a way where they are no longer servants in the government. They are rulers and you are slaves. And they're this close to doing it. Chris, Mikesh, thank you so much for taking the time today. I appreciate it. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. It's your boy, Turn Out Loud. Peace!